Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hi, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, we are talking about some of the challenges of raising a kid today in this rapidly changing world, and how we can prepare our kids to be the best human beings possible. How can we raise our kids to be good citizens who look out for one another and respect each other? Essentially, we're talking about the values that we are passing down to our kids so they can help make our world a better place. My guests on today's episode are Michael Skolnick, a civil rights activist, and Paola Mendoza, a filmmaker, activist, and author. Paola and Michael are both co-founders of the Soze Agency. They're partners and parents to a six-year-old, and they joined us by phone from New York. Super technologically advanced, you guys. I can't imagine two better and amazing people to talk with about this vital and important topic. So let's get started. We are here with two people I am so excited to be talking to, Michael Skolnick and Paula Mendoza. Um, thank you guys so much for being on my podcast. Um, oh, our pleasure. First things first, can you guys talk about some of the incredible work you do independently and together? Yeah. Paula, you want to talk about your work? Um, so I am an artist. I'm a filmmaker and a writer. Um, uh, I make both documentary and narrative films. And most almost all of my films deal with immigration and I've been making movies about immigration for the past essentially 10 years um in 2016 obviously Donald Trump is elected um to be president and what happened at that moment of his election is that I 
decided that I needed to take my art um, and combine it more uh, work within the realms of activism in a much more concrete way. My films have always been socially conscious and, and dealing with political topics, but I really wanted to, to, to use my art to be in direct response to the current political climate. And so what that turned out to be is that I was one of the co-founders of the Women's March, as well as the artistic director of the Women's March. Um, wow. And I worked with the Women's March for the first six months of after the, the march on Washington. Um, and then I decided to move into my own space, my own work, um, focus back on immigration, particularly, and everything that was at the intersection of art and politics. Um, and so what that has turned out to be is a variety of different things that I call, at this moment, the creative resistance. I um, was working at the front lines of family separation Wow. Um, in 2018. And then also I was with the caravan for the past. I went to the caravan on November 1st and went back and forth through through the month of December and have been doing a lot of work with, with those that are asking for asylum in the United States. But specifically, again, it goes always back to how does art work in this space? So I'm not necessarily doing work on a policy level. I'm, I'm really looking at um, narrative change and narrative shift and narrative building um, at this moment within the immigration space. And so that coincides a lot with the work that Michael um, does specifically at our, we have a creative agency, which is called SOZE. Um, and so I do a lot of the immigration work there and a lot of the work around feminism um, at, with feminism and women and, and the current political climate. So, Nick, you want to talk about SOZE as a whole? Sure, sure. So um, I had a long conversation this morning with a, a, a new friend about uh, fatherhood and about manhood and um, I think at the core of our life's journey has been centered around compassion mm. and as we talk about our son um, certainly there are many many tales of that he has told us that make us proud to be his parents uh -huh. um, when he talks about com the compassionate heart that he has and so how do you build a compassionate business? Um, how do you build a compassionate company uh, that not only um, uh, practices a set of values in, in the outside world, but also practices a set of values internally in the company. So we built a creative agency. We only do things that we truly, truly believe in. Um, we don't chase money. Um, we have a triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit, and people and planet coming first in that order uh, for wow. and, and for that right reason. Um, and we're also a workers-owned cooperative. So Powell and I are giving the company away over the course of seven years. We've given 62% of the company to the workers um, and really trying to build equity with women and people of color who so often um, don't get a chance to own something, right. uh, especially companies. Um, and so as a white man, I know you can't see me, but as a white man who has consistently been given, given and given opportunities, oftentimes not well deserved, mm -hmm. um, I thought it would be an interesting experiment of could we create a compassionate capitalistic company that is a for profit business. We have no debt. We have no investment. We're doing it all by ourselves as wow. a group of, of young people putting a company and we have now seven owners. Anyone can become an owner after one year being in the company. And we get a chance to work with some of the most amazing movements and companies and nonprofits in the world that are trying desperately to hold on to, you know, compassion, as Paola mentioned, during a very, very tough political time in this country, um, where compassion seems to be a commodity 
um, you know, that is being challenged. Yes. How old is your son? He'll be six, six. in right. two weeks. Mm-hmm. I, you guys work so much in the, these causes, and do you find yourself having just open lines of dialogue with the six-year-old about what's going on in the world? Or I, I'm so I, – I feel in some ways like, oh, thank God I have a 16-month-old and I don't have to put on the TV and see X, Y, and Z. You know, we're doing no screens, so that sort of lines up. But like you are running into the fire of what's going on right now in this political climate. How – do you talk to your son about it? Like, I'm so scared. And, and that's probably not the best way to be. But I have a lot of friends who their impulse is to turn off the news, step away from social media, basically disengage with the so-called negativity. But maybe that's not the best. That's not good. What do you guys think? You know, Mateo, that's their son's name. Yes. Mateo lives in a political household. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael and I are talking politics nonstop. We're talking about current events as a family. And so we do talk about these subjects in front of Mateo, but we talk about them with him as well. Um, We talk about them in a way in which obviously a six-year-old, six-year-old can understand, but we definitely, when family separation was happening, I was talking to Mateo about family separation, Mm. about why mama was working so hard, why mama had to go to X place or to that place, or even, you know, why mama was crying sometimes and explaining to him what the situation was. Um, I think that at the very least, you know, our son, though he is a son of an immigrant, is going to come up in a very privileged atmosphere in New York City. Mm-hmm. He is going, he, his parents um, own their home. He, he will be he will come away in life with with physical wealth and legacy. And he, he is going to have so much privilege in his life that what I, as a mother, what we as parents have to be able to do is at the very, very least have conversations with him of difficult subjects. Because the reality is, is that six-year-olds are physically being torn away from their parents and they have to live through that. Um, so how is I as a, how can I as a mother not at the very least have the conversation about the reality of what is going on in this world? And, you know, as Michael said earlier, the most important thing that we can do as parents is to raise a compassionate boy. Yeah, this then is... become a compassionate man. And, and in order to do that, he has to understand the realities of what is going on in the world today. And obviously, again, we're talking about it from the perspective of a six-year-old. Right. Just two days ago, I went to speak at Mateo's school about the caravan and immigration. And I'm able to talk about it in a place for six-year-old children to understand that we are talking about war and refugees and poverty and immigration. Um, and I think that that's the very least that we can do for, for our children. The one thing I'd just add, Katie, um, when we look at children, there's, there's the external sort of what is happening in the world and how is it happening around them? Um, and how do we engage with our children in those kinds of sometimes very challenging discussions? But there's also the internal development of your child. And I would challenge um, parents who are listening uh, to this, that your child from the moment, I've watched this now, I've had a front row seat to the human development of a six-year-old that has been remarkable to watch Remarkable to see how he experiences things from his eyes and his perspective, but also how damaging sometimes what he experiences can be to his development. And specifically talking about race and gender, 
how young boys specifically are raised in this country begins from day one, not from when they turn five or 10 or 15 when they're teenagers, but from day one, how your child sees colors, how you teach your children colors, which ch- colors you describe to your child are masculine or, masculine or feminine. Yep. You know, we have um, people in our, in our family who, you know, some boys like blue, some boy, boys like pink, but my, our child, you know, uh, and most children, most boys are taught that blue is for boys and pink is for girls. Right. What does that do to the development of a child? We talk about race. If our child does watch TV and does watch screens, does look at screens, if our child is consistently looking at television where the dark character is bad and the light character is good, Star Wars as an easy example that we all can you know, understand and, and relate to, how does that child then walk down a city street or rural street or a suburban street and see a person of darker skin complexion, a black or brown person, and look at that person as a good person, right? So we have taken the approach that our child's development, if you, if you took Harvey Weinstein's parents at our age and said, do you foresee Harvey Weinstein Ooh. at 60 years old Ooh. being charged on rape and sexual assault? I think that mother would say, of course not. My child is going to be amazing. So none of us can predict that a child would do bad things or hurt people or have racist thoughts or sexist thoughts or homophobic thoughts. But so many parents who do a good job, their children do end up that way because of other things that are coming into their lives that are not dealt with by their parents or by people who love them or their guardians who will take care of them. So we've taken the approach that every single day we have to do the work, especially for a young boy who is taught so often to be aggressive or violent or disrespectful towards women or not or feel superior, and especially towards a, a young white perceived child yeah. and when it comes to race in the same way. So when, you know, our, my child, our child said um, uh, to us a week, two weeks ago, there was a, a soft lockdown uh, at his school. Oh, I want to hear about this. Police came. Yes. Right? yes. And there's a soft lockdown at his school. And um, your, your listeners may not know, but we've had the great honor and privilege to um, work and, and advise and counsel the students from Parkland, Florida. And we've taken, we took them on a tour this day where they went on a tour that we helped produce this summer of 60 cities around the country, and many of which um, Mateo joined us oh, on that tour. So he knows wow. the students, right? He knows the young people from Parkland. They, he considers them his quote unquote friends. Yes. So this, this, this lockdown happened at his school. We get a text message, it's a soft lockdown. We don't, you know, the parents are, are getting very you know, scared and nervous, they're asking a lot of questions. Mateo comes home from school that night and he says, you know, the soft lockdown and they explained to them, and then they had to explain to him what a hard lockdown is. So a soft lockdown is stay in your classroom, don't leave. So this happening in the school. We don't really know what it is. It's some police activity. A hard lockdown is an active shooter right? or, or something as, as bad as that. And a hard lockdown, close to window shades, don't move, hide in the corner, don't speak. So explain that to these five and six-year-olds in kindergarten. Now, this is not something they shouldn't explain to them because we know in Sandy Hill, five and six-year-olds were murdered yeah. just a few years ago. So this is an issue that five and six-year-olds sadly have to deal with in this country. So he comes home that night. He explains to us what happened in his school. The next day he wakes up and he says to me, Daddy, I want to write a letter to my teachers. I said, great, let's write a letter. So he's, di- I'm dictating, he's dictating a letter to me that I'm writing in, in, uh, in his room. And the letter says, dear so-and-so and so-and-so is two teachers. And he says, um, thank you so much for taking care of us and loving us during the soft lockdown. I have friends who went through a hard lockdown, Emma, David, Cameron, Jackie, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. The students from Parkland love Mateo. Huh. So he knows that those students in Parkland, Florida, who he has a personal relationship with, lost their friends yeah. and, and had a school shooting. 
I can't hide that from a five-year-old anymore because kindergarten classes are getting shot up in America. Yes. So if, if, if I hide that from my child, when a hard uh, lockdown happens, he may think it's a joke. He may do the wrong thing. He may run outside the hall, and he may get hurt himself. So none of us as parents ever want our children to get hurt, ever want our children to hurt somebody. But with this environment that we are in in this country, this is not just a Trump problem. This is a long-term challenge we've faced for decades and sadly centuries in this country. But for this environment in this country, we've taken the approach to be brutally honest with our child um, and to answer the, the, the easy and tough questions. He came home a few weeks ago and said, fucking shit. And instead of saying, don't say fucking shit, well, who told you that? What kid at school? Well, let's talk about what fucking shit means. So when you stub your toe, you can say fucking shit. That's okay. But don't say your teacher is fucking shit. My kid's going to be like, I learned fucking shit from my mother. Oh, God. That's like terrible. So so we just, you know, we're not like um, the the PC police that that I think a lot of you want to talk about. It's It's just honesty and transparency with your child because we feel, and if you don't, like shit happens and, and, and you said, I never see that. I never saw that coming. Right. And I would just add to this. I think with the honesty and transparency, transparency, the other thing that we constantly offer to Mateo is how he can change things. So, and that means Mateo showing up to marches. The first March that Mateo went to, he was seven months old. It was a black lives matter March in New York city went out and we went several times to various marches in New York City around Black Lives Matter, going to the March for Our Lives March. He was there. He heard all of those stories. Um, around family separation, we did a video for the kids who were being separated, and he went, he, he said what he wanted to say to the kids. Um, and so it's constantly giving them the real, the reality of the world, but then also empowering them to be actively engaged in the way that they can be engaged and that they have the ability to change things should they not like it. Mm. And I think that's really important too, is, is the tools to change things and allowing that's them right. to, to engage in those tools. Yeah, giving, them the they possibly can. giving them the opportunity that they're not yes. too, yeah. Like getting it out of that's your head right. that they're too small to do something or to understand right. something or um, it's better and, to just protect Katie, them and keep them in the dark. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you. Let me let me ask you a question, if I can. Yes, when please. you were pregnant with your with your beautiful child, did yes. you play your child music all the time? And I went to so many marches with him in my stomach. <laughs> Amazing. Did you talk to your child? When, oh when your yeah, child of course. Right? So those are beautiful things that we're taught to do when we're pregnant with our children, and and then somehow when the child comes out, right? We don't think. Everyone says the child forgets everything before they're five years old. That's what people tell you. Right? Yeah, yep, I've heard that. Right, but your child's developing their personality before they're five years old. You're not developing personality when they're when they're in your womb, which is yeah. why you talk and play music. All these things happen. So from day one, play your child music. Talk to your child. Take them places that you think that will matter to your child when they're seven, ten, or fifteen, when they can remember those things. Matteo went to Italy, Italy last year. The only thing he really remembers from Italy is two things. One is that he got a gladiator costume when he went to Coliseum. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and two, that he gave the extra fish that we took home from the restaurant to some guy in the street who was hungry. Mm. That's it. So he'll hold on to those two little memories. One is that he loves to you know, play with his gladiator costume. And two is that he felt compassionate or he felt compassionate when he gave his fish away to the homeless man on the street. So we, from day one, we've just like, covered him with love, shown him as much as we possibly can, and also respecting, as Paula said, she spoke to these young kids two days ago. They're still five, right? So how we speak is still to a five-year-old. Of course, of course. Speaking to right. He's 15. Um, but treating him like he's, you know, he's um, old enough to understand the things that we're doing. Mm. I, I want to talk to you guys. We, you guys both touched on this separately, and I'm very um, – this is huge to me um, – in how to raise a good citizen, I also more specifically want to raise a feminist son and I want to avoid him falling into the grips of the toxic masculinity. And I feel like the two of you guys, given all the work you do, I think you've really touched on this compassion thing. But I remember when I got pregnant and I wanted a girl so bad 
And I found out I was having a boy and I was so horrified. And I told Shonda, my boss, who, um, and she was just like, yeah, that's like a real, that's a real job to do. Raising a perceived white dude in this society is, is a real job. Do you guys tell me about how you guys are doing? Tell me the advice you got. <laughs> I'm not sure how we're doing, but we're definitely trying our best. And I had a similar experience when I was pregnant and I found out it was a boy. I was like, oh, my God, I know how to raise a girl. Yep. Like I, I got I totally understand how to raise a girl. I have no idea how to raise a boy. I, felt the same I, I don't know. It hadn't occurred to me that I might have to. Me too. Um, and I was really freaked out. And then after I got freaked out and I was like, okay, well, I have to do it. Um, I also, and this is important because in my family, there wasn't a lot of men, but I realized, oh, like I'm not in this alone. I actually have a man with me that was raised as a, a turned out to be a great man, a compassionate man, a feminist Who's man. So I think that's <laughs> really important. Who is this Who's that you that? speak of? Yes. Not you. So I think that that's, that is important of, of, in the case of us, like Mateo has a really great role model. And so there's practical things, obviously, just as simple as, and this happened very soon when Mateo started going to school, when he came home and he said, mama, you can't do that because you're, you're a girl. Mm. And I was like, ah! um but then what I try to do what we try to do is ground things in in real life examples for Mateo so Mateo's a mama's boy and so when he said that to me you know I broke it down of like how hurtful that was to me because I am a girl and and took him through all of the steps right um and at the end of it he seemed to understand what we were talking about and I haven't heard him say that again without him him correcting himself nice right which i think is very important that he's able to be conscious enough to correct himself and i also think it's examples um real life examples of like things that are as simple as how we run the household with regards to who's cleaning up what and who's cooking what mm. you know michael laughs at me all the time but i'm very much the person that's like oh i washed dishes last time now it's your time now your turn he's yeah. like and he jokes he's like you keep counting i'm like yeah i actually do because that's a way in which to, to make sure that we are dividing that housework as equally as possible. Yep. Because or else we fall into these, these traditional gender roles that um, I'm constantly trying to push through and break through. And so I think Mateo sees that. He knows that mama works. He knows that data works. And Michael's always really good about making sure that it's not just daddy's going to work, that mama's going to work too. Um, and so I, I think it's partnership, it's honesty, it's trying to lead by example and it's giving them real life examples when they see it and when they make mistakes correcting them in um ways where they're not afraid to make a mistake and i think that's the difficult situation that we're in at this moment is that people in, in general in society are very afraid to make a mistake as they're unlearning toxic behavior mm. so when men are unlearning toxic masculinity mm. they have to be able to be given the space to fuck up yep. and to be retaught and move forward and they need to have that safe space in order to do that the same thing with race um folks and it's and it's hard and it's exhausting for those for women for people of color for black folks to be allowing folks in their learning space 
um, to be able to learn and fuck up. But I think um, that is the only way that we're able to move forward. Yeah, you can't learn unless you fuck up. You know, it's like you fuck up, and mm-hmm. then and I mean, it's just it's, it's one of know, the many tools. To fuck up, right? Yeah, you don't want to fuck up big. He, he fucked up. No, yeah. but if you do small fuck ups, it's like that's an opportunity. I think people fuck up and they don't, you know, they, they miss the opportunity to, to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. Um, have you guys made a concerted effort with your son to talk about how to treat others or how to treat girls or general conversations with him about consent? I mean, he's almost six, so that's probably, I mean, I'm guessing that's young for that, but maybe not. Michael had a conversation with him about consent that I wasn't aware of that Matteo talked to me about. So, Michael, Ooh, you can Oh, do that. tell, do tell. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think your friend Shonda is probably pretty smart. She probably has to, like she's probably pretty successful and has a few. Yeah, things yeah. You life. could maybe say right? that. So, I don't know her, but she seems like a good person. Um, so I think I think what Shonda says is is right, is really right. Is that um, this is every day, um, and sadly for most of us. Uh, it wasn't every day for whoever we were raised by, and not necessarily just our parents or their guardians, whoever was in the house. And that we're having, as Paula and you were just discussing, we have, we have to unlearn yeah. all these things that we we're told were true. Um, we we're told that the reason why black people are were poor or some are poor is because they don't work hard. Mm-hmm. And we believe that as white people. Like we genuinely believe that to be true. We told we were told that women did not want to go to work and they just want to stay home and take care of their kids. And we genuinely believe that to be true as men, mm. right? So we then said, oh, well, the role of a woman is to stay home and, and, and the role of a woman is to be in the kitchen. Right? We use that kind of toxic language. Um, and so for me as a 40-year-old man, I have to do the work every single day to unlearn the things that I have been taught mm. that have that, that hold me down like like cancer, right? And And, and so this isn't, a Democrat, Republican issue, or right, left, or rural, suburban. Um, this is a gender issue, a race issue that crosses all political affiliations, all economic statuses, and all geographical locations. So for our child, I'm so fascinated by what he's taught and then how he processes those things. And so I have taken the approach of like, just forget the results, focus on the process. Because the result, no one, no one is going to tell us that our child is going to turn out to hurt somebody, but murder somebody or rape somebody. Oh God! Like, I keep going no back can... to Weinstein as a kid, and I mean, I've, ne- I would, could you ever imagine? Like what? I mean, yes, you you're right. At some point, he was a child. At some point, he was a child, and 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 it's unfathomable to to believe that about your own child because you think your child is special and great as well as you should. But if you don't do that work every single day, so the conversation that we had about consent um, was, you know, he told me that some boy in his class kissed some girl. Okay. Right? And that I was like, well, how did that happen? Was she okay with that? Did she want to be kissed? And we started talking about, you know, asking for permission. Um, and what does permission mean? And I I don't know the science. We you know, Pal and I met in theater school. So take whatever <laughs> I say, at least she's much smarter than I am, but I'm a, I'm a theater major. So take whatever I say and, you know, you probably should Google it. But I can only imagine the science uh, behind uh, a child who has behavioral issues at a younger age, um, you know, how that child develops differently um, than a child who may or may not have done something uh, at a younger age. And 
if it's not corrected or course corrected at seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you know, you see boys at seven, eight, nine, ten years old do things that are like, damn, who's teaching that child? Yeah, like what the hell is that? You know, yeah. What how did that happen? How yeah. did that kid just, you know, grab that girl and push her down? And so uh, you know, we and, and I think for Mateo, I think it's important um, for parents who sort of have who, you know, who want who also want to live their lives. Right? I told Mateo when he was born in the hospital, I looked at him and said, Mateo, I want to be proud of you as my son, but I also want you to be proud of me as your father. Mm. And so for us, he also knows that, you know, when I go to school, the teacher said to me last week, he's like, you have Nick, I joke with the kids, I got nicknames for all of them. There's Malcolm, I call him Malcolm in the middle. There's Mo, I call him Mo Better Blues. I got nicknames for all of them. So the teacher's like, damn, you know, all the kids. And so Mateo knows that, like, we we believe that we got to take care of all of our children, not just our own. We love our own. We're, 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 he's our cub, right? We want to cl- hold him close. But also, like, if we see something that, that is not cool, like, we tell Mateo, like, daddy's going to say something. Mommy's going to say something um, because we want all the kids to also have a chance, not just Mateo. And that's how I discussed this privilege point. We know our kid has a lot of access, of yes. wealth, yes, of, yes, yes. you know, and so we want him to understand that and that some kids in the, and then some kids in his class, you know, when we have, you know, every week they have a parent gathering with the kids and like some kids never get their parents to come. And we've discussed why, mm-hmm. why those parents couldn't come or why the grandparents couldn't come because he doesn't understand that, you know, some kids don't have the same kind of abilities that he has or, or access or privilege. So yeah, we have, you know, I'm probably the bad example um, uh, because I have, you know, and Paula does too, but I'm just speaking to myself. I have really honest conversations with Mateo. It's a total fucking experiment. It could all go over. I'm going to say, take, take my advice. Um, it is not going to go wrong. Yeah, don't even I put don't that think so. Yeah, I don't but, think so. I think it's just it's... an experiment and it's an everyday experiment. No, I think it's really good. And, and we joke, you know, like when we were pregnant, um, you know, my husband would say, do you think if I never turn the TV, you know, we have a photo, this is like amazing, but we have a photo of me and Michelle and Barack Obama in our kitchen. And Adam's like, do you think if it's lying, if we point to that picture and say, that's the president. And then (laughs) it's like, and we never turn on the TV. And by the time this is all over, you know, he'll be three and it will never have happened. And, you know, it's like, these are the jokes we were saying. And I, I, I really don't think you know, that that's great either. Um, and so I'm just fascinated by how you guys are, how you guys are doing this. I, I feel like it's, sure. I think it's really important for parents to hear this option because I do think we hear a lot about, you know, just hiding the truth or, you know, looking the other way or it's, you know, it's not really there if we don't pay attention to it. But like it's here and I don't think, like you said, I, I don't think it's ever too young to have these conversations in a six-year-old fashion, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever too young. Did, Michael, did you feel that Mateo was able to understand like permission? Did the girl say that it was okay that she got a kiss or was it? I think I think the start of something, I can't say he understood it in the same way that he told me when they discussed Black Lives Matter at their school, I said, tell me what Black Lives Matter is. He said, well, some black people wanted to have lunch at a diner and the white people were very mean to them, wouldn't let them have lunch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's Black Lives Matter? He's like, yeah, that's Black Lives Matter. 
I said, okay, that's a good start. Yeah. We'll start. We'll start with something. So I think it's a start, and I think it's an ongoing. But I will say this. Yeah. I think I think because Mateo, again, I wasn't there for that conversation, and my Mateo brought it up to me. Michael wasn't in town when he brought it up to me, right? So it was in his mind. It like stuck. It's a seed, and I think that's what's really important. Is what we're doing at this age is planting various seeds, mm. and we with experience and with moments as life is lived, get to water those seeds. And, and, and we get to water the plant that we want to grow because society is watering the other plant and they're watering it nonstop, right? The other seed and that plant is growing, but we, we have the ability to, 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 to grow the plant that we want. And so the same, like, again, like he goes to a very progressive school, obviously, if you haven't figured it out, but they <laughs> yeah, also yeah. brought up, um, he, he brought up to me the other day, the idea and the concept of transgender. Mm. And, you know, that was something that I was unsure of how to broach and approach as a parent, how to take that concept in and, and explain it to my child. And, and um, in our family, we have someone that is experimenting with their sexuality, potentially, possibly. And so the, it's something that I'm very aware of to talk about with Mateo. And, you know, he explained to me, again, the seed that was planted in him is he said that in school they told him, sometimes you're born in the body of a boy, but inside you're a girl. Mm. And sometimes you're born with the body of a girl, but sometimes you're a boy inside. Mm. And I was like, okay. And then what happens? And he was like, I, I don't know. And that, and that was, you know, that's they like play the Legos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're planting, a, I think, I love that. I, I think you're planting a lot of seeds that will mm -hmm. grow. Do you guys, I know you said you're at a progressive school and, and Michael, you grew up in New York and Paula, you grew up in Columbia. Um, I, I I grew up in New York also and, and I am very afraid. LA is very segregated into neighborhoods and I grew up in a place where I saw people that looked different every day, all day. And in LA, in the neighborhood we live in, you could go weeks without seeing a black person or a transgender, you know, like, or, or um, you know, you, you can't, it's, it's people very, they look similar. And so, you know, I have a group of mom friends now who are, you know, we were in a mommy and me class and the teacher was going on and on about how it's important to have maybe dolls that are different colors and, or you, I mean, of course I'm, making a huge attempt of bringing my child into many different experiences. But um, for people that aren't fortunate to like live in a place that looks like New York, which is rare, I mean, a melting pot like that is rare. Um, do you have any advice for me <laughs> on what you would do in my situation? I mean, it's real. Like when you go to tour nursery schools in LA, I mean, it's people of different races live in different places. Like that's, that's how it is. Right. Here. And I think it's how well, it is in I, most places in this ahead, country. Sorry. It's how it is yeah. in this pe people in this country. Or I remember the first books that were given to one of our best friends, a black man gave us a book and, and he was like, this is like one of the few books I could find where there were babies and parents on all the pages that were different colors because mm. they don't exist. And so how mm. do you start these seeds with a 16-month-old when the, even the books he's looking at don't have babies that look different from him? Or... You know, these are the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> They're real things. They are real things. And there's things that keep up, 
keep us up at night too. Like the reality is, is yes, New York City in general is a melting pot, but New York City has the most segregated school public schools in the country. Mm. New York City public schools are more segregated than they are. They're more segregated now than they were before Brown versus Board of Education. Mm. And that's the reality of New York City public schools. And Mateo goes to a public school. Um, so, so, and, and as we mentioned before, our neighborhood is uh, right next to, so our apartment is a very nice, expensive neighborhood now. Um, we've lived here for a very long time. But right next to our, literally right across the street from our apartment, there are projects. Um, and so lots of projects. And so our neighborhood also is the mixing point of class diversity and racial diversity. Mm. Um, and it's something that, you know, again, we talk about it with Mateo and there's also a homeless shelter right down the street from us. So we have a, home, a lot of homeless people in and around our, our neighborhood. And so I think I say all of that to say that um, the reality of race is um, real and also something that needs to be discussed mm. and to be talked about. I know that lo- parents like to live, parents of children who are not black or brown, so essentially white parents, want to live in this bubble I've experienced as it, that they don't want to talk about race because they don't want to quote unquote po- point out the differences essentially between white kids and black kids and white kids and brown kids. And they, they want to allow the kids to remain as innocent as possible mm-hmm. um, for as long as possible, mm-hmm. the innocence of, of being um, blind to race. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think that that is, um, not the way to go. That's a privilege to be able to do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Because right. white kids don't have to deal with race. Right, right. Mateo's uh, cousin is black and Jewish. And he's, they've had to have the conversation, the black conversation with his cousin very early on. Mateo presents as white. He, mm-hmm. is, he walks on the street and he looks white, though he speaks Spanish and comes from an immigrant household. We haven't had to have the conversation of what it means to be black in this country from a experience, a personal experience, but we have had it in the relationship to what is going on and specifically with regards to his cousin, cause he loves his cousin. Right. And so the idea of, of, of bringing books into the household is super important and dolls and also making the effort to go into other neighborhoods um, yes, yes. where other children are to yes. take them to extracurricular activities. You know, one of the stories that I, I, I am most proud of with regards to Michael and he can tell this his own way. Cause this is a, a secondhand story told to me, but, Michael Start was in a. Michael, why don't you tell the story about the dance group? <laughs> that you were in? But but which one? The dance group when you would go and dance with kids. Oh, National Dance Institute. Um, yeah, because I think that that story is important in the sense of like your experience as a white suburban child going into spaces and places where you were not the only that you were essentially the only white kid there, but experiencing that and wanting to be in that. Um, that's, diverse world, that's I think, great. is really important. That's a great that's example. For parents to do too. That's a great example I, I would, of things parents could do. I, I would add um, two things about Mateo. One is, um, and, and for parents, one is, we, we used to take pictures of black people and white people and show them to Mateo and say, tell us, when he was like three um, or four, and say, Mateo, tell us the difference. He would never talk about race, their skin color. He would say, that person has a mustache, and that person has a mustache, that person's wearing a white shirt, and that person wearing a blue shirt, that person has hair, that person no hair. He said, okay, Mateo, what else? Like, okay, like get to the point. And he's like, there is nothing else, daddy, that's it. Right. Didn't see the difference of skin color. 
at a certain point in the past year and a half-ish, he's begun to understand that someone is black and someone is white, skin color. Taught that. Wow. Right? Wow. Someone taught him that. We taught him that. School, right. TV, someone taught him that, right? Right. So once he gets taught that, then what does it mean? Um, as part of the, the, the tour around the country this summer with students from March for Our Lives, we went to Standing Rock uh-huh. uh, in North Dakota. Uh-huh. And I brought Mateo with me. Uh-huh. And he uh, was on the tour with us. And we get to the tribal council um, building where they have their council meetings. Yes. And they're there to present to us in the most grandiose, beautiful fashion, a welcoming ceremony. And they're gifting us things and they're singing and they're dancing. And there's a whole bunch of kids in there, little ones, like five, six-year-olds. There's some teenagers and some elders and some adults. And we get into this beautiful tribal council room. And Mateo says to me, Daddy, where are the Native Americans? And I said, they're right there. And he said, no, they're not, Daddy. Those aren't Native Americans. And I was like, what do you mean those aren't Native Americans? And I was like, yeah, they live here. They're from Standing Rock. He's like, no, Daddy, they're not wearing Native American stuff. Mm. And I was like, oh, what do wow. you think they should be wearing? He says, like, like feathers and Native American stuff. Right. So someone taught him that Native Americans only walk around the world in their traditional attire or their ceremonial attire. No one taught him that a five-year-old kid who was sitting next to him looked just like him in his attire, wearing sneakers and a hoodie and playing a video game on his, on his mother's cell phone was a Native American child. Mm. So that that now Mateo knows that Native American people are, don't just wear a ceremonial or a traditional attire, that they look just like him in, in, in the way they dress, at least, at least in this country. So those, like, those conversations, and when I was a child, I had the great opportunity to work with National Dance Institute, which was Jacques D'Ambois, who was the great American ballet dancer, his nonprofit. And you know, we would dance all over the city and we'd be in Chinatown at some middle school on Saturday dancing and you know and rehearsing in Chinatown with you know a lot of you know Chinese Americans and children of Chinese immigrants and kids from the Lower East Side and the Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and like white kids from Upper East Side whose parents would bring them down to rehearse. And my I had great parents, right? And so my parents were also able to process my questions when I would come home. Like, you know, it feels different to be a minority in this group. And I never felt that before. And like, why am I feeling this way? Because mm. I've always felt part of the majority as a white kid. Mm. And so my parents as, as progressive hippies and incredible minds that they are were able to process that with a child. So as your child gets older, and you know, certainly your child, Katie, but others who are listening, um, you know, these milestones, right? When your child starts to see color, like you know, Howard Schultz said, you know, yesterday or recently that, you know, he doesn't see color. That, that, that is an absolute uh, disservice to ending racism in this country because of course we see color. Of course my child at a young age sees that, you know, his uh, cousin is a different skin, his first cousin, my, my brother's child, he married a black woman, this is his first cousin, and that his, his aunt is black. Right. And he sees, he, at a certain point, he understands there's a difference. And so what we've done is to, is to say those differences are beautiful. Those differences are unique. And even, you know, he asked me the other day, I don't know if you know this, Paolo, but he asked me the other day, um, uh, there is this uh, man in the neighborhood who uh, was a, is a veteran of the war. He lost both of his legs. He walked around with prosthetics. And we saw him on the way to school. And we started talking to him. You know, he talks to everyone. He's a nice guy. And we started talking to him. And he asked me about, you know, losing his legs. And I explained to him. And there's another young, amazing 13 year, 12 year old, um, Jordan Reeves, who's out of Missouri, who's this amazing young girl who got a chance to know. And she's, uh, she does this TED talk where she takes this unicorn prosthetic on her arm because she only has half of her arm that she was mm-hmm. born with. And she shoots glitter, 
right? Out of her uniform prosthetic, unicorn prosthetic, and Mateo knows her. Wow. And I said, Jordan, we love Jordan. Jordan's a cool kid, but Jordan was born a little bit different than you were born, but she's still just as cool as you are, yeah. right? So never like, never trying to use race or gender or differences that your child might have from someone else as a way to compare but like shower all of them with love. Like they, you know. Yeah, but are, like it's like not ignoring that it's not there because that's not how a, we get into this mess. When you ignore it, when you ignore it, you're, you're, someone else is going to tell your child that, you know, that kid's black. Yeah, or that, that Native that, Americans that, only wear feathers. You know what I mean? It's like right. you, you can't. Right. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. You guys, last question. Do you have, like, I just, it's so amazing to me. I can't thank you enough for taking time. And I, I think this is so important for parents of new kids or even 
elementary school kids or whatever, like it's just never too late. And from this conversation, I've really learned it's never too early either to plant these seeds. Do you have advice for parents who feel like they're just out of depth on a lot of these big issues? Like, you know, because of your line of work and your passion, it comes so naturally and easy to you, I think, to really talk about these huge subjects. And I feel like a a lot of parents I know are probably – feel like they're ill-equipped to even have these conversations between each other. It's so sad. But they're kids, too. I mean, are there books or resources? And if you guys even take a few days and you think about them, I want to put anything you guys suggest or any advice on. We have crib notes that go along with the podcast for people who That's listen great. and can click mm-hmm. on how to better – how can they feel like they can have these conversations with their kids? And, I, you know, I always go back to it's probably just honesty is best. Like if I – don't feel very great, you know, at talking about something. I say, you know, mommy's not a hundred percent confident, but this is what I think or this is what I feel. Um, but do you have any advice to young parents who feel like they're out of their league? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll make mine very short. Um, I've come to learn from mentors and elders in, in my life that the, the, the key to to staying young, and all of us have tried our very best to stay young, <laughs> um, is curiosity. Mm. And when you lose your curiosity, I believe you begin to get old. Mm. And your child or your children are so curious. They're curious creatures. They want to know everything. So join that journey with them. Mm. Right, join that journey of curiosity. Don't think because they ask a question and you may not know the answer, you can't go find the answer. Whether it's learning yourself or finding someone in your life who has a shared experience that you can bring and introduce to your child, or whether it's LGBTQ member of that community or it's a black friend of yours who has, you know, can talk about their situation of being a black person in America. Um, but I, I learn every single day with our child. Um, I can't wait till he gets homework that I can't do and have to figure out how to, how to do long division again. Oh, uh, God, those, I'm so screwed. Those, yeah, yeah, those days are really exciting. Um, but just like, just stay curious. And as your child, you know, goes through his or her or their journey of curio- curiosity, just join them in that journey and, and never judge um, that the child is doing it right, doing it wrong going down the wrong course, the right course, just like focus on that journey. And hopefully by the end of it, when it's all said and done, it's like you look up, you say, wow, that was, that's really, really fun. And it's really beautiful. And yes, there were days that were tough. And yes, there were times that I didn't have the answers, but I loved it. I love, I love the learning. I love the curiosity. I love the, the challenges. Um, it not only made my child better, it actually made me better. Mm. So helpful to me. <laughs> and Paula, do you have anything to add to that? You know, I would just say that it's not easy because you said that like this, this it seems so natural and easy for us. And I don't necessarily think I, I, I don't want it to seem as if these conversations are quote unquote easy mm-hmm. um, because they're not in in life. Right. We're talking about race conversations, race conversations between adults are not easy. Um, and they shouldn't necessarily be easy with your child either, but we have to be brave enough to have them with our children, just like we have to um, um, be willing enough to have these conversations with when we're having them with adults. Um, 
so I, cause I think if we say that it's easy, then it, it makes it seem like if not. it's not easy for others, it's like not right, which it's not like, it's not easy for me to talk about child separation with my fail. Right. Um, for a whole host of reasons. Um, and so I think with regards to if you are, if you feel ill-equipped to have these conversations with your children, then how do you move forward with them? Um, children's books, there are a lot of children's books out there that are really, really great um, that deal with, with tough subjects. You know, there's this one book called The Journey um, that is a book essentially about being a refugee and what oh, happens right. to a family when they're in a war-torn country and they move across the globe, across the world, and through various dangerous circumstances to come to another country. That book is really, really beautiful. Um, and it, it opens up the conversation in a way that I think it guides you how to have this conversation around these very tough subjects with mm. children. So I do think that there are many books like that that I would guide parents to to give you kind of the ramifications, the, the, the boundaries as to how, how to have these conversations. And then with regards to educating themselves so they can, um, so parents can have a better understanding, you know, there's incredible people out there to, to read their books and to follow um, on social media. Dr. Brittany Cooper is amazing. Um, Eloquent Rage is her most recent book, but anything by Dr. Brittany Cooper will blow your mind. She's a black feminist who's just one of the most brilliant people that I know. She talks about race and she talks about um, gender and feminism um, and the intersection of all of those things. And it's incredible. Obviously, Rebecca Traster, mm. her latest book, I think, will open anyone's mind with regards to feminism and where we are in this moment and, and being enraged about it as well and how movements have used uh, rage as as something to to behold and to benefit them. And then I think also just again, like for me, what I think has been, there's so much that lacks in general in, in the education of, a, of the American educational public school system. Mm. But I think one of the most detrimental things is that there isn't a lot of um, range and scope with regards to the literature that students are given in high school, but also in college. And myself as a story, uh, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, as a writer, experiencing story through literature is a way in which to gain understanding yeah, from a can, human yeah. personal level. So I would tell people, and I tell this to a lot of people, go and read books by Latina writers mm. in the United States, right? Mm. Go and read books by Native American writers and Black writers and Asian writers and experience the world through their eyes in these novels. Um, and start to understand what it means to be something other than a white man or a white woman in the United States. Mm. Um, and I think that that will help parents be able to hopefully feel as if they have more tools um, and with which to have these conversations. Can I, can I just say one last thing? Oh my gosh, thing, please. Um, before I mean, let's we just end. talk I, all I just day. want to shower, shower you with some praise for a minute, Katie. We have, um, we have known Carrie um, oh. Washington for many, many years and certainly are, are big admirers of, of what she's done in her career and, and not just in her career, but, you know, in her part, in her work. Yes. Uh, and, and through that, had the chance to, you know, meet some of your cast members on Scandal yeah. and become good friends with Guillermo and Bellamy and yeah. others. Um, you know, I've watched you, you know, certainly in your professional career as an actress, 
um, as an artist, but I do want to just you know, shower you with love and praise for this, because mm. um, using your platform um, in a time where parents really need to get support from each other, yeah. um, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, yeah. a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, right, at the same time, um, I think to create this platform, and certainly no surprise that you know, it's number one in this category, certainly because of you and also because of what you're talking about, right? And what people need to hear and want to hear and um, need uh, the support along the way of raising your kid. As as Paula just said, raising Mateo every day is one of, is my greatest challenge in life. It's my also greatest joy in life. Um, and so thank you for using the platform oh, that please. you have been given after such an amazing television <laughs> show um, to, step up to, in this moment and share your vulnerabilities and share your fears and your joys and your happinesses with the world. Um, I know your career obviously continues. I know you're doing Broadway, you're doing a lot more great yeah. things, um, but this work uh, is is great for, for all parents um, to be able to have the access to, so thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you guys for taking the time. This has been so awesome and eye-opening, both of you. Michael, Paula, I just, I this is so inspiring and I just you know of all the things I've done in my life this is the podcast is the thing that most people stop me on the streets about um especially moms just you know really in need or feeling alone or feeling like they don't know what to do and it's the most to me the most important work um is raising a citizen of the world and I just think you guys have added so much to this conversation um, for my family personally and for all of our listeners so thank you so much for being guests on Katie's Crib thank you thank Katie you. thanks Paolo thanks Michael have a great day you okay bye, bye. Thank you so much for listening to Katie's Crib. Be sure to check out Shondaland.com where you can find every episode of Katie's Crib and we've got crib notes for each episode where you can find out more about our guests and links to some of the resources we talk about on the podcast. And last, but definitely not least, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically like wherever you get your podcasts. 